uh, when you do get married or possibilities in the future or uh, some of us will be in marriages where we're really struggling at the moment as well. So this is going to be hopefully helpful for all of us uh, because we're going to not only just be uh, looking at what the Bible says, we're going to hopefully pull out some really practical stuff uh, to put things together as well. So uh, let's have a look at it together. Ephesians chapter 5 verses uh, 21 through to 33 and Betty's going to read that for us. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, No one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his mother and father and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, Each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Thanks, Betty. Uh, It's a great part of the Bible. It's Paul writing to the church in Ephesians, uh, and he's talking to them. uh, This section that comes from this part of the Bible is called like the household code. So you'll actually read that there'll be part to husbands and wives and then it's going to be to children afterwards and then there's also to servants after that. So it's a a section in the Bible where it's talking specifically into family life and what's happening around us. And the context of it's really important to keep in mind, isn't it? Because uh, the word submission is the big word there, isn't it? It comes up and jumps out at us because in our society the concept of submission is almost a dirty word. It's this sense of being downtrodden and run over. And if that's what submission was, then it would be bad, wouldn't it? It would be terrible. Uh, And people often think when you read this that they're saying that uh, women are are lesser than men and they need to be put in their place and that's what the Bible's archaic and don't listen to it anymore. But that's not what the Bible's saying at all, is it? Uh, And we need to have that context to understand that when we look at it, verse 21 says, the first verse, doesn't it, says that we should submit to everyone that we all should be in submission to each other, that the context of marriage, the context of relationship is submission. And what is that submission? Well, we're going to see what that looks like in a moment because there's someone who personifies it for us in Jesus. But we're going to get to that in a moment. But it's important for us to realise that when the Bible talks about husbands and wives, male and female, uh, that we are different. I don't know whether you've worked that out yet, but it's pretty clear, isn't it? We are different. Uh, God created us differently. He created us equal. There is no doubt that we are equal. In God's form of things, we are both equal. We're both created in his image. We are both equal in salvation. But yet we are quite different. Uh, 
I don't know whether that seems to be a revelation to anyone, but I think it's just pretty clear, isn't it? We do do things differently. We think differently. We act differently. We are different, but yet we are equal. Uh, and the Bible tells us that, that that's the way it works in the Trinity as well, that in the, in the Godhead that they are equal. There's the Father, there's the Son, and there's the Spirit, and they are all equal. They are all God, but yet the Son is in perfect submission to the Father and the Spirit is in submission to the Father and to the Son. And so it's not a sense of breaking down and making one better than the other, but we are different in different roles, as in the Father, Son and the Spirit operate differently as well. And so we need to keep that in mind as we come to this, because if we have the idea of submission being that the father or the husband has the right to lord it over and demand and beat and abuse, then that is absolutely wrong, and we deplore that. And the Bible deplores that. Or if submission means that the wife thinks that they can just be downtrodden and walked over and completely put into the ground and abused, then we deplore that as well. Because that's not what the Bible says. So let's have a look at it together. Open up Ephesians 5 and look with me through it. We've seen verse 21 puts it in context. But then it goes through and it tells us what wives and husbands and how we are to operate in marriage. And I think it's a great part of the Bible for us to be thinking about what is a good way for us to operate in marriage, a way in which we'll hopefully make our marriages last. Uh, so let's have a look first. And you know what I'm going to do, because I'm a bit of a wimp? Uh, I'm going to go and hammer the, hammer the husbands first. And we'll come and have a look at the wives second. But I think it's important to do that, because I think the passage shows us that if the husbands are to be the head, if they are to lead their families, then they have a really big role to play. And if we can understand what that headship and what that leadership is to look like, then how wives us to submit to that makes more sense. So have a look at verse 25. And we'll see there in verse 25 that, uh, uh, that we, our husbands, are to love their wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now it's a very simple sentence, isn't it? It's a very short sentence that husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for the church. Now that's huge, isn't it, really? If we think about what Jesus has done for us, his body, his church, that he gave up his life, that he came from the Father, he lived on this earth a perfect life and he went to the cross and gave his life up for us, that his love was so strong, his unconditional love for us, was so passionate that he gave up of him whole self for you and I and took on the wrath of God for us so that we could live. And that is the type of love that husbands we are to have for our wives. You notice that? That is a self-sacrificing, serving love. Jesus said, didn't he? We learned that in Mark 10.45. What did he say? Jesus said, I came to serve and not be served and give my life as a ransom for many. You see, Jesus' headship, Jesus' lordship, the way that he leads the church is by giving his life up for the church. The way that we are to love our wives is to give our lives up for our wives. That we are to seek to serve them and love them and put them number one, below God obviously, but put them number one, that they are to be our passion, that they are to be the ones that we desire and love and care for above anything else. They are to be our princesses. We are to make our wives feel like they are princesses to us. 
when was the last time, guys, you made your wives feel like they were princesses? It's a challenge, isn't it? Don't tell me, yeah, when I walked out and took the garbage out, that made my wife feel like a princess or when I brought the paycheck home and put it down on the table or I bought the steak down the street. But truly, it's a good question, isn't it? If we truly love our wives, Cashy, when was the last time we made them feel like they were princesses? That she felt that she was cherished by you. Ronnie sort of had an idea there when he made her feel like a princess and Jane just put him in a place. No, <laughs> that wasn't it. That wasn't it. He thought a cup of tea in bed was going to do it. <laughs> but ask her. How about you ask her? I'm going to go hard on you guys today, by the way. I'm not going to let you off because as we think about this, it's been going hard at me all week. All right? So I'm going to go hard at you. I'm not going to let you off. Because I think for too long, blokes have been sitting on our hands and thinking that we can just get away with doing what we're doing. Yeah, I love my wife, but have we really been loving our wives? Let her know that you're putting everything on the line for her. You see, the greatest need that your wife has is that she feels loved. That's what we're saying here in this passage, that we are to love our wives as Christ loved the church. Why are we to do that? Is because that's their greatest need, that they feel loved. Guys, we sometimes don't need to feel loved as much as wives do. We like it, but wives really need to feel that they are loved, that they are treasured, that they are your princess, that they are your only one. If you listen to that stuff during the week that we looked at in regards to the, the pornography thing, uh, the, the lady said that the, in the video of the guy that had been caught in it, she said, women, just we just want to know that we are cherished. Uh, there's a, a couple of different books out there that will talk about this same thing. Uh, it's called A Love Tank. Uh, that Every one of us, guys and girls, men and women, actually feel uh, have a love tank within us. Uh, and that love tank needs to be filled. That's a bit like the idea you've got to put petrol in a car to keep it going. Same with us. We have a love tank within us that needs to be filled. And the more that we have our love tank filled, the more that we feel loved, the more that we show love, the more that we understand it. Uh, and both guys and girls have this love tank and we can take in and out of the love tank. Uh, sometimes we can fill it and sometimes we can take away from it. Uh, but we as guys need to be thinking, how do we fill our wives' love tanks? How do we keep them at the top? How do we keep them even overflowing? Well, uh, there's that old saying, isn't there? A happy wife is a happy life. Uh, in some sense, that's true. A loved wife is a happy wife. We need to show how to love our wives. So how do we do that, guys? How can we show that? Uh, well, uh, let's just flick down to the next one, guys. Uh, there's a guy by the name of Willard who writes this book here, His Needs, Her Needs. Uh, we've already promoted this before. It's worth a read, guys and girls, husband and wives together. And he goes through and talks about five needs of women and five needs of blokes. We're going to talk more about what the five needs of the women, not so much the five needs of blokes, but we'll get to some of them. Uh, and he says that there's five key needs uh, that, that girls have, that women have. And these five needs are what we guys should be concentrating on if we want to see their love tanks full. If we want to love them as Christ loved them, then this is what we need to be doing. It's not just a matter of, of thinking it, it's actually of doing it. 
Uh, and this guy's done over thousands and thousands of hours of counselling and this is the five needs that he's come up with. And we'll, just, we'll work through some of them but not all of them because we don't have time. But the first one and the key one is affection. And it's affection without expecting sex in return. I oh, all the women are going. It, it's, and it's true. It's affection. It's that wives know that they're loved and they're cared for without the blokes thinking that their bloke just wants to get them in bed tonight. Uh, when we show affection, guys, then we're saying to wives that they are important to us, that we do care for them, that they are precious to us, that I'm concerned about you and I'm with you, that I think you've done a good job and I'm so proud of you. That's what affection says to your wife. So we need to do it, guys. We need to do things to show that our wives, that we love them and that we're affectionate to them. Uh, Here's some examples that he gives. Uh, I didn't put them up on the screen. I probably should have done. Uh, The first one is hug and kiss your wife every morning while you're still in bed. Blokes, you should be jotting this down, by the way. Uh, Hug your wife, unless you've got a really good memory. Hug you and kiss your wife every morning while you're still in bed, even if you're getting up at 5.30 and they're not getting up till 8. Let them, no. You might want to think about it there. But hug and kiss them before you get up. Uh, tell her that you love her while you're having breakfast together. Kiss her before you leave for work. Call her during the day to see how she's going, just to see and catch up with her. It's probably better to do that than just text. You can probably text as well these days. You could Facebook her if you really want to get onto that as well. Uh, bring her flowers once uh, every now and then as a surprise. Be sure to include a card to the, so that you express your love to her. Give her gifts for special occasions. Maybe a, a tattoo on your wrist to know when to do that, like the bloke said at the beginning. And make sure that those gifts are sentimental, not specifically practical. Okay? E.g. a ring, not an angle grinder. All right, a ring or something nice like that. Even you can get away with a cookbook if it's a good cookbook, but you're going to be careful with that one as well. After work, <laughs> after work, call her before you leave for home so that she can know when to expect you and don't drop into the pub on the way. All right. When you arrive home from work, give her a hug and a kiss and spend a few minutes, or maybe longer, talking to her about how her day went. Help with the dishes at dinner. <laughs> like people are nudging each other everywhere here this morning. It's going all over the place. Look at them. It's going all over the place. Hug and kiss her every night before you go to bed. Speak words of affirmation, kind words, words that build up. Because uh, Mr. Willard, Willard states, he says, affirmation is the environment or the atmosphere of a strong marriage. Affirmation is, a, is, a, is the environment, uh, or affection I should say, affection is the environment and, or atmosphere of a strong marriage. Now, us guys sometimes think just a punch on the arms, a bit of affection for us. But guys, we've got to get off our hands and give our wives a hug. Uh, so that's the first one, affection. 
We need to say that's the first need. This is what Willard says. He said that of all the people he's counselled, this has been the biggest thing, is affection. Then the second one is conversation or communication. Uh, not finishing the sentences before your wife does. Uh, not taking time to think about your comeback in your head uh, while they're speaking, but actually listening. Spending time listening and communicating with them. We're going to spend a bit more time thinking about communication in general in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, but someone said to me, we've got two ears and one mouth. Use them proportionately. And especially blokes, we need to exercise those ears and listen to our wives. Uh, the third one was honesty and openness. They're actually honest with the things that are going on in our lives with our, with our wives. We need to tell them what's going on around us. Uh, if you saw in the video that we did last week, uh, the DVD, that they talked about that, didn't they? About being open and honest. And uh, what's his name? One of, the, one of the guys said, don't, don't go to your grave with um, a secret. Don't go to your grave with a secret. We need to be open and honest with each other. Uh, financial support. We need to be able to provide for our wives. Need to, uh, that's an important part and uh, wives say that they want to know that they can be provided for by their, their husbands. And the last one is family commitment. We need to be there for our families. You know, a lot of guys tell me, well, not a lot of guys, but a number of guys have told me that I work so hard, I'm working six days a week just to provide for my family. Well, it's okay to provide financially, but if you're not there for your family, then it's a waste of time. Because you can give them everything you like, but what your family need is you. They need you. We need to be there for our families. We need to be there and committed to them. So they're the five ones that he says. Affirmation, uh, conversation, open and honest, uh, financial support and family commitment. Now, I reckon I'd encourage you to go home and talk about that together and decide whether they're the ones for you. They may not be exactly yours and you may have a couple of them and not all of them, but I reckon they're worth you talking about, aren't they? Sitting down and chatting about it. Uh, but there's one that he doesn't point out, which he doesn't take in, and I think this is just as important, that we guys, in our headship and our leadership of our wives, is that we need to make sure that we encourage them in their spiritual growth. Have a look at verse 26 to 27 says this to make her holy and cleansing her by washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless in this same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies he who loves his wife loves himself you see Jesus doesn't just love us for the sake of us to know that he's loved us but he loves us so that we become more like him so that we, the church, are presented holy and blameless before God our Father. And so if guys, if we're to be leaders, if we're to be the head of our family, if we're to be loving, serving our, our wives, then one of the key things that we've got a responsibility for us is that we look after their spiritual growth, that we encourage them in their spiritual growth. I reckon a great question. Someone asked me this question one day. I think it will go up there. It says this, is my wife more like Jesus because of me? Is my wife more or less like Jesus because of me? That's a tough question, isn't it? Is my wife more or less like Jesus because of me? God willing more, but if she isn't, then we need to change, guys. 
Uh, for too long we've sat on our hands and thought we'll let our wives do all the spiritual stuff we'll let our wives do that they can be the motivated ones they can get us to church they can get us up and going they can get us out to Bible studies and growth groups no guys that's the wrong way around Folks, we are the ones that need to take the responsibility. That is what God has given us. That is who we are to be as blokes in our families. God has made us that way. And unless we step into that and do that, then we're going to be diminished as blokes. We're not going to be leading our families as God desires us to. We need to get off our hands, get off our butts, stop giving excuses and start taking the lead in the spiritual growth of our wives and of our families. Jesus' greatest desire for all of us is that we become more and more like Jesus. And he says to the husbands in the family, this is your responsibility, guys. We need to do this. We need to get out there. You know, there's moments, guys, don't get me wrong, that we don't feel like we want to pack up our bags, head to the hills, get a few guns, fishing line, a few blokes and a couple of beers and just bolt to the hills. Or like the guy on the, on the ad that says, he walks in and, and says, look, I'm part of Bill's support group. He needs to invigorate his soul. He needs to go away with the boys so that he can love you more. Oh, well, there's a little bit of a, a truth in that. The blokes do need to have times with their own mates, but not to escape, not to get away and relieve their responsibilities. We need to stick in there, guys to love our wives well, to take the responsibility to see that our wives are more like Jesus because of us and not less. We need to be the ones that say, get up in the morning and say, okay, family, we're off. We're getting to church, we're going to get organised and we're going to go. We need to be the ones that need to make sure that we uh, sit down and pray with our wives. Now, that's the one I'm hopeless at. That's Karina will attest to. But I need, I need to be the one that gets out there and says, we're going to pray together. Do you know the stats say that 95% of marriages where husbands and wives pray together stay together. Now that's huge. In Christian families where the life basically it's almost similar, the percentage of breakdown in marriages is almost the same as society, 95% of marriages where they pray together, husband and wife pray together, stay together. That's a big statistic, isn't it? Do you know why that is the case? Because it's really hard to fob off your wife, to get rid of your responsibilities, to not be open and honest if you're praying with her. It's really hard not to do that. We need to be the guys that take that initiative. We need to be praying with our wives. Are you encouraging your wife when she goes to uh, growth group during the week? Are you encouraging, are you giving them space? Are you saying, I'll look after the kids so that you can go off and do that? Uh, to a conference or to go a speaker or to go and help in a ministry. Are we blokes taking the responsibility and saying, that's great, I want to encourage you in that? Or if your wife says, I want to meet one-on-one with someone to read the Bible with them, do we give them the time and space to do that? Are we getting excited if our wife says, I'm going to need to cut back on work, I'm only going to work four days because I want to spend time with ministry and help other people get to know Jesus? You see, loving our wives, guys, means that we will be self-sacrificing servants of our, of our wives. Loving our wives means that we'll be self-sacrificing servants of our wives. Loving our wives means that we're seeking to fill their love tanks. 
We'll understand what their needs are and we will be fulfilling that. We will be doing that. Loving our wives means that we'll seek to be husbands that help our wives become more godly, not less. It's a challenge, isn't it? It's not easy, guys. It's a big responsibility that God's holding you to. But unless you step into it, you won't be fulfilling what God desires for you and you will not feel like a bloke. You'll feel diminished. This is what God desires for you as a husband. Okay, I've hammered the blokes enough. It's time for me to have a go at you wives. And I do this with fear and trepidation. But... Uh, let me just uh, put it in context for you. So what does it say, doesn't it? Look back at the first couple of verses. In verse 22, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the saviour. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Now, what that is saying is now that we understand what that loving, what that headship is, it's saying that wives, you are to submit to your husband loving you, self-sacrificing service that he seeks to cherish you and, and, and idolise you, not, not idolise you, but to cherish you and see you as his princess. You are to, to submit to him wanting to see you grow to be more and more godly. You are to submit to him at taking that and encouraging you with that. That you are encouraging to become more, that he's encouraging you to become more like Jesus. That's what submission looks like here. Is a submission to your husband who is seeking to love you like Jesus loves you. Not whinging and complaining about it, not nagging about it, but when you see it, to accept it and to encourage it. Now, there's a great proverb that says, a nagging wife is like a dripping tap on the edge of a roof. Can I tell you, wives, really quick, very simple statement, nagging doesn't work. Nagging might get the job done, but it destroys the soul of the bloke. Okay? Doesn't work. Encouraging and building up does work. Uh, we're funny, aren't we? Because blokes think the opposite too. They think that, you know, what's love about? Well, they don't understand it very well either. They think they're doing the love, but they're not doing it well. Wives think if I nag, then I'll get my husband to love me more. But they, it's a vicious circle, isn't it? It doesn't work either way. Husbands, we need to love our wives well. Wives, we need to submit to our loving service of our husbands. Submitting to your husband who seeks to love you. Not in a slavery way, not in an abuse way, not in a downtrodden way, not in a step over way, not in a way of putting you into the ground, but in a way that the husband loves you like Jesus loved you. Karen tells me that uh, if her husband was like that, she'd love to serve him that way. Uh, but it's true, isn't it, that I need to be like that. And if I'm not doing that well, then I can't expect my wife to submit to that. And I shouldn't expect her to do that. And the Bible doesn't expect you to do that. The Bible expects your wife to submit to the husband when he's being the self-sacrificing servant that he should be. You see, as part of that, that will help your husband become more like what God desires him to be as well. So you encourage him to take those steps forward, you encourage him and stand behind him when he does that, then he's going to become more like the bloke God intended him to be. That puts the submission into a different light, doesn't it? It puts it into a godly light. It's a godly light that God says to us 
as your husband loves you and leads you and sacrifices his life for you, he seeks to see your love tank filled, he seeks to see you become more like Jesus, then you can submit unto that, his leadership in that. So submission looks like that. But then there's another key word. There's this, in verse 33, Paul adds an extra word which I think gives us an understanding of what submission looks like. Uh, look at verse 33. It says this, and it's almost a summary to the whole lot. It says this, However, each one of you, he's talking to the husbands, also must love his wife as he, as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Who can pick the word that comes out in that? Respect. It's interesting, isn't it? What does submission look like? Submission looks like respect. That we are to respect your husband. Uh, who can remember the song? Who put out the song R E S P C? I can't even spell it. R E S P E C T. Aretha Franklin did it. Do you know that someone else wrote it first? A bloke. A bloke wrote it first. Aretha Franklin took it and ran with it and became famous, but a bloke wrote it first, a guy by the name of Otis Redding. Some of you would remember or know of who he was because that's what blokes desire. God has made blokes to desire respect. In a sense, respect for a guy is the same as what love is to a woman. But for a woman to feel loved is the same as a guy feeling respect. For a woman to know that the guy loves them and cherishes them and sees them as a princess is for a guy to feel that their wife respects them for who they are. Because God made us that way. So what is this respect? What does it look like? Well, I reckon the op- it's good to think of what respect is by understanding what its opposite is. The opposite of respect is contempt. Which is seen by a wife seeking to change the bloke by her loving criticism and complaint both verbally and physically withholding love to try and get your husband to do what you want it's wanting to control your husband it's wanting to make your husband look like you think that they should be like and it's showing that by the way that you speak critically to them and put them down and that can be really subtle very subtle you see just as women desire unconditional love blokes need unconditional respect now that sounds to jar, doesn't it, in our society? People say you need to earn respect. And to a point that's true. But what the Bible is saying here is that blokes actually desire unconditional respect, that their wives respect them for who they are, who think that they're good blokes, who treat them that they're good blokes, who encourage them when they do the good things, who, who speak to others about how good their husbands are. I mean, I don't know how many of your wives here, but how many of you actually sat in the, in the uh, hairdresser's chair and complained about your husband? Don't have to put your hand up, by the way. Um, but if you go in, not that I've been there too often, but if you go into the hairdresser and listen to the wives, how often are their wives bagging out their husbands? They go hammering tongs at them. That's contempt. And that is not going to help their marriage. That is going to destroy their marriage. Because what they say there is going to come out in the way that they speak to their husbands. Uh, There's a quote from this guy here, another good book to read at some point in time, Uh, Love and Respect by this guy Egerich. He says this, To fully love your husband is to give him respect in ways that are meaningful to him. Now, I'm not sure what that means for your husband, but can I encourage you that you sit down and ask him? Just as he should sit down and ask you what makes you feel loved. So here's a challenge for you this week, guys and girls. 
husbands and wives, sit down and ask, wives, ask your husband, what do they understand as respect? What makes them feel like you respect them? Husbands, sit down and ask your wives, what makes them feel loved? And be willing to listen and don't tell them. Don't tell them what you think. Listen to them. Both sides. Carve out some time to those questions this week. Uh, So there's submission to a loving husband who loves you out of service, self-sacrificing service for girls. Uh, The second one is to respect them. Don't show contempt. And the third one is you need to, put it mildly, sex. Sexual fulfilment is vitally important to guys. Some of you will be saying, yeah, I was waiting for this one to come up somewhere along the line. Or you're going, oh, no. I can do the submission one. But the sex one, how's that one work? Well, can I tell you that when you uh, read the five needs of Willard, he says that the first one for blokes is sexual fulfilment. Okay? So I advise any wife and any husband, for all of us here, to ignore it at your peril. Ignore it at your peril. It's vitally important. And it's not just for the girls to say that I'm just going to have to have sex every night with my husband no matter what. It's not that. But husbands and wives together need to realise that this is a vitally important part of their marriage and we need to talk about it and we need to work that through with one another. 1 Corinthians 7 tells us that that we should not give up sex unless it's uh, by mutual consent. So that means you need to talk about it. You need to work out together what that means for you. No one can tell you what that means. No one can tell you whether it's every night of the week or once a week or once a month or whatever it is. But you need to talk about that together. You need to listen to one another about that and talk it through. Because Mr Willard says this, I should say, what's the first one again? Um, Affection is the atmosphere of marriage and sex is an event. Affection is the atmosphere of marriage and sex is an event. It's part of what happens, but it's not the whole lot. But affection needs to be a major part of it, otherwise the sex won't happen. Uh, And he also says this, a man cannot achieve sexual fulfilment in his marriage unless his wife is sexually fulfilled as well. So it's as much for guys here, isn't it, as well as girls. Guys really do, we need to know, we need to work hard at this and we need to talk about it. Uh, we need to ha- work hard at it together. Uh, and these guys give two, two things that are helpful in this. He says, first of all, he says, overcome ignorance. He says, get to know how each other's bodies work. A so husband and wife must each understand their own sexuality and their own sexual response. We need to understand how our bodies works, work. And second, communication. Talk about it. Discuss it together. It will foster an atmosphere of affection. A husband and wife must learn how to share what they have learned about their own sexual responses so they can achieve sexual pleasure and fulfilment together. And a great help is to read some books together, guys. I know we've been pushing this a little bit, but it's really important because marriages are dying all over the place. And a key part of that is that people are looking somewhere else to get their sexual fulfilment. They're seeking in other places. That's both guys and girls, by the way. Often what happens is the bloke gets excited about it and he runs off with it because it's a sexual fulfilment. Often it's for girls because they've found a guy who's giving them affection and they run off with it. 
It's happening everywhere. So we need to know how important this is that we work at it together. So here's a couple of books. I've mentioned a couple of them already for you. Um, what's the first one that flicks up, guys? Uh, His Needs, Her Needs. I don't know if how many of you have bought it yet, but buy one. Get one. Read it. Even if you're not married yet, but you may be in the future, get one and read it. Know about it. It's really important because if you know it before you get into marriage, it might be really helpful. Uh, Love and Respect. This is a little bit harder to read, but he takes some really good stuff out of Ephesians 5 and really develops a whole understanding of what, how your love tank can be filled for girls and what it means to respect uh, for guys. Okay, really helpful. Um, One Flesh, which we flicked up the other week uh, by Greg Clark and Amelia Clark, uh, just talks openly and honestly about what sex life looks like before marriage and after marriage. Well worth a read. Um, The Gift of Sex by Clifford and Joyce Penner. Uh, There's some great chapters in the middle of this that help you understand about sexual fulfilment and uh, you can read that together and talk about it together. Good books, guys, to grab hold of. Uh, or even suggest, if you're talking to someone who's finding it really hard at the moment in their marriage, then give them these books and say, hey, grab one, take this and read it and see what you think about it. It might make a huge difference for you. Because God loves it when marriages stay together. Now, don't get me wrong, he can still bring people back from that and he can help people when they restore people after marriage breakdown and all those sorts of things. But God desires marriages to last. And it takes hard work, guys, for us, doesn't it? Guys and girls, husbands and wives. Even before you're married or when you're thinking about getting married, you may never get married, but we want to encourage it, don't we? You see, marriage is a wonderful thing, but a very fragile thing. Hopefully this morning, as we just briefly looked at Ephesians 5 together and we've fleshed out a bit of the stuff that we might at least give a glimmer of hope that there is hope in marriage, that we can work it through and that marriage at last is a marriage that God wants for us and he's put some things in place for us to help us with that. And he says to us, we'll flick these up one at a time. Let's flick down, guys. A marriage at last, he says the first one, uh, for the husband to lead his family in a loving self-sacrificing service to his wife and for the husband to seek to fill his wife's love tank to know her needs for wives to submit to his loving sacrificial service and to respect him for wives to seek to fill his love tank it's not easy guys but it's worth it it's worth putting the effort in it's a challenge for us, isn't it? But it's worth it. Let me finish by reading verse 33 again. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we've uh, come this morning and heard some hard and tough words about how we are to be as husbands and wives. Lord, we thank you that you have given us those words. We thank you that you've put them before us. We thank you for the wisdom of others to uh, people who follow you and love you who have uh, given us uh, books and ideas of which we can uh, look at and read and contemplate and put into practice, Lord. 
Father, help us to take our responsibility serious as husbands. Help us, Lord, as wives to truly seek you within this, Lord. Help us, Lord, as husbands to trust in Jesus and to want to love our wives as Jesus loved us. Help us as wives, Lord, to submit to that loving service of our husbands and seek to respect them, Lord. Well, we can't do this without your power. We can't really do this without the Holy Spirit working within us because sin enters and destroys and wants to rip us apart and wants to take us away from this, Lord. We ask, Lord, that by your Spirit you'll transform us on the inside so that we can become the husbands and the wives that you desire us to be, Lord. That you'll help us, if we're not married yet, to see, Lord, if you take us in that direction of how we can be a great husband and a wife as well. And help us, Lord, here all together to seek to encourage each one of us who are married to love our husbands and our wives well. Help us in that, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.